This Christmas, we're going to do a series of stories. Every week, I'm going to talk about Christmas, different Christmas story. And so today, we're going to talk about Joseph. And in fact, we're going to examine Joseph's life a little bit. So I'm going to be reading from the scripture in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Can we put it up? Hear this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. I want you to remember this. He was a righteous man. He was a devout man. He loved God and he honored God. And in whatever capacity that he had, a humble capacity, he was faithful. Faithful to the instruction of the Lord. And yet did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. Now, if it's your Bible, go ahead and underline, he did not want to expose her. Okay? He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Now, in my Bible, I underline Joseph, son of David. Because at the time, nobody recognized who Joseph was. In fact, people had forgotten about David, forgotten about who David was, and never mind about who, who his son was. But God knew him as royalty. I'm going to talk more about that later on. Joseph, son of David, you're not a carpenter. You're not a nobody, but you're a son of a royalty. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. And this is very interesting in verse 24. Joseph woke up and did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. Let me just pause here a little bit. A lot of times we hear the command of God and the word of God has been spoken, the Logos word uh, that we're reading from the Bible or the Rhema word that we hear being spoken. We heard it, we are impressed with it, we're excited about it, and that would be as far as we take that. But you know, the reason most of us do not go ahead and carry out the commandments of God in our lives is because oftentimes it's quite inconvenient to carry out the commandment of God. It is very inconvenient and sometimes it's costly. So the easiest thing to do is just to keep chasing revelation, have good words spoken to us, but we don't exercise what we learn because it's very inconvenient. Friends, do you realize that a lot of times when we are to follow God, we need to realize that to, or, to, to obey the Lord, to follow His commandments, is always very, very inconvenient. Think about this. You know, the Bible says, cease not the assembly with one another even as the day approaches. You know, uh, usually you, most of the people in our church, including those streaming online, you're very faithful coming and gathered together. But for the most part in our society and in culture, most people will be looking for reason why they shouldn't be in church on Sunday. In fact, they have come up with a theology that, oh, you know, church for me is just me and my friend get together, you know, bake, uh, breaking bread and just have a service at home and, and just two or three of us, you know, just gather together and, and that's church, you know, that's church. 
church for us. And I often ask them that question. If that is the case, how do you exercise the sevenfold of gifts, of ministries that God given to the church and the fivefold ministry? You can't do that on your own. You can't do that watching TV or streaming online. You can exercise any of the gifts. What God had given to his church is for his church together so that he can manifest his glory. But then again, to come to church is extremely inconvenient because sometimes we need to take time off from work not to be able to make money that we ought to make. Sometimes it's very inconvenient because we'd rather stay home and just being relaxed and take it easy. It's convenient. But you know that when you need to follow God, you need to be willing to put convenience on the altar. Can I hear an amen? You have to put convenience. If you ever want to see God move in your life, signs and wonders, miracles, you got to be willing to put that convenience on the altar and say, God, I'm going to put my convenience aside. I'm going to obey and follow you. And that's what... Uh, believers are encouraged to do and so that's what Joseph this was absolutely inconvenient for him because you know he's going to be shamed people are going to say he's weak you know allow his fiance to fool around behind his back you know and he still go ahead and take on this wife is absolutely inconvenient and the Bible further said this in verse 25 he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son in other words he had to put his marriage on hold put the joy on hold and then the womb of his heart, the, 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 the womb in his wife, because, you know, the, 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 the fruit of the womb of his wife, the first fruit he was not able to enjoy. And, and I can actually use this to preach about tithing and giving because, you know, here, you know, even Joseph, you know, the first fruit of the womb of his wife, the first fruit of Mary was given to God that benefited him nothing. But it's very inconvenient. You know, if you ever want to serve God, if you ever want to walk in the ways of God, don't go for convenience. Because convenience would never allow you and I to walk in the purpose and the plan of God. Many of us have been living a life that is convenient. How is it working out for us? I would challenge you in year 2020, don't choose convenience. Choose, watch this, obedience. I want to say one more time. In 2020, don't choose convenience. Choose obedience. Amen? So uh, I want to, this is not what I want to preach about today. I just digress a little bit. But what I want to do is I want to meditate three things about Joseph that we just read today. And uh, I pray that God will open up your eyes and my eyes today that we can walk in this, in his ways with greater clarity. The first thing about Joseph is that the Bible says he was righteous. He observed the law, but on top of that, he was compassionate. He was gentle. He was compassionate in that, you know, I just want you to imagine this. Joseph did not have the privilege of the knowledge that you and I have. Because we know the story. We know who, who you know, how Mary was pregnant, you know, because it was the Holy Spirit, right? And God showed up, uh, and the angel showed up, you know, talked to her and the whole thing. So we all have this privilege. But Joseph did not have this privilege. Just imagine this. You have been faithfully serving God. You obey the Lord. The Bible says he was a devout man. He observed the law. You know, he was very obedient to the law. And he served God. He did everything that he was supposed to do. And then one day, somebody whispered into his ears, Hey, your wife had been cheating with other men, and she's pregnant. How do you think he'd feel? I think I'd, if I was me, I'd be really mad. I'll, I'll be angry. I'll feel betrayed. 
I justifiably so, right? You know, I gave everything I could, and you know, tried to do the right thing, and then it came back and bit me on the behind. It's like my fiance has somebody else's child. I can just imagine the hurt he felt. You know, in his days. When a woman is found to be pregnant with somebody else's child, it is really cruel. They, they, they're entitled, if you look at the Old Testament, to, to stone those women to death. It was a cruel culture. And to stone the woman to death, stone, you know, whether, whether she was being raped or is it her fault or not, it doesn't matter. Boom, she's going to die. And, you know, if you study some of the history, you know, in that region during those times, not only they are allowed to stone them, they, some of them would cage the woman and throw them in the river and let her drown. And it's to, this, this is to appease the anger and the rage of the husband. I mean, it was a very unjust society. Thank God we're living in the New Testament. Thank God we're living in the 21st century. There's no such nonsense going on. The glory to God, right? But nevertheless, can you imagine and understand the rage and the sense of betrayal he felt? He would be justifiably so to be angry, to at least publicly humiliate her just to get even. But what did he do? He did what 1 Peter 4.8 tells us, Christians, that we ought to do. 1 Peter, go ahead and turn to it. Chapter 4, verse 8, this, 8 says this. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love, let's read it together, love covers a multitude of sins. Do you realize what Joseph was doing? Joseph was trying to cover the sin. He thought it was a sin of Mary. That's what a righteous person is supposed to do. You know, we believers, especially in this day and age, we like to gossip. We like to talk about somebody else's mistakes. You know, every time when somebody famous, you know, had a big fall, we want to have a conversation about it, you know. And then the people who had wronged us, we want to tell people about it. You know, we just want to shame them. We want to have a conversation. But the Bible tells us that if we're truly walking in love, we will go ahead and cover the sins of others. Brothers and sisters, I really want to encourage you to do that. Because, you know, there's enough uh, gossips going on, enough criticism that, you know, we believers need to chart a different course. In this church, even if you've seen somebody has done something wrong, even if you've seen somebody have done something wrong and he had hurt you personally, I want to challenge you to rise up to the next level of love, next level of walking in the supernatural. That is to cover the sins of your brothers and sisters. Don't talk about it. Don't gossip it. If people come to you and say, you know, I hurt someone, so did this, just shut them down in Jesus' name. Do not entertain in revealing the sins of others. Don't do what Ham used to do. You see, Ham, he loves to reveal the shame of others. He revealed the shame of his father. Noah was his father. You know, the Bible says that he was drunk, you know, and he was, and, all, and then, you know, after he got drunk, he got himself all naked. I don't know what's up with this getting drunk and go all naked business. But anyway, so he was drunk and he got all naked. And even know, and so this son, you know, Ham came in and saw his father. And so instead of just covering his shame, he went and just began to broadcast the shame of his dad to his two brothers. Hey, did you, did you see that? You know, that fool, you know, back there, you know, just, just did all this, you know. And so his two brothers, what they did is they came walking backwards, not even wanting to see the shame of their father, and then put a blanket over him. Brothers and sisters, that's righteousness. 
I want to encourage you that do not expose the sins and mistakes of others. That's why in this church, I really encourage us not to judge people. This is a judgment-free zone. One of the reasons is because of this. Love covers a multitude of sin. Don't talk about it in people. You know, a lot of times people come to me and say, you know, pastor, you know, I just want to let you know this because I want you to pray about this situation. And they start this with a spiritual line so that they can get into the gossiping line. You know, I just don't like those conversations. I just usually say, can you just, you know, and, and, and uh, don't, don't talk to me about it. I just don't want to hear it. In this Christmas season at the Christmas table, would you make it a commitment to yourself today that you will not expose other people's sin or even entertain to talk about the mistakes of others? You know, the Bible in James chapter 2 verse 13, the Bible tells us that mercy always triumphs over judgment. That's the character of our God. Many people like to talk about the judgment of God. Judgment, 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 scare you to death. Want to scare you, you know, judge you, scare you, judge you, you know, and oh, talk about, you know, I'm reading uh, Ezekiel, you know, I'm just doing a study on Ezekiel, you know. I'll tell you, Ezekiel is a book of scary, right? It's like, oh my goodness, all the scary that is coming, you know, and, and it's, it's, just, it's just so, so full of, you know, and yet a lot of Christians like to dwell on that because they want to scare people to behave the way they think they should behave. But you know, the word of God tells us that the God that we love, the God that we serve in James chapter 2, verse 13, is that he's a God that always will cause mercy to triumph over judgment. Amen? So next time, when you feel like you have the right to judge somebody, you know, even your spouse, your friend, or whatever, I want to ask you to consider mercy for them. Yes, they should behave better. Yes, they should know better. But you know, we are all walking in this journey of faith and love. May God give you the strength not to judge them, but extend mercy to them and cover their sins. Cover their sins. Don't allow it to come out. The second thing that uh, I want us to think about this is that, you know, Joseph, while he was not called to do great things, to become a great man, to change the world, he was called to do something that most of us may consider insignificant. He was called to steward a child. But you know, if you despise the small things that God calls you to do, you'll never realize how big his plan and purpose is for your life. See, Joseph never woke up and trying to figure out how to be the greatest man on earth. But then again, God called him the steward to become a father, the earthly father of God himself. It looks trivial, it looks a small thing, but it was a big calling. Some of you are uh, sitting here, you know, you examine your life this year now, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm around 40, 50, 60 years old, and, and I'm looking back at my life, and I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm not where, I'm not at the place where I'm supposed to be. You know, I had imagined when I was younger that by the time I get to this place, I'll be here. But because of all the detours you've made, all the decisions you've made, then you come to this place, and so you get disappointed. But may I encourage you and remind you this is that God may be calling you to steward something that is so much bigger than you thought. Joseph's steward God himself. Joseph's steward the salvation of billions of people. Because of his faithfulness, he was able to see that God can change 
change eternity, change humanity, change heaven. Because Joseph was faithful to the small things that God had given him. You know, today you may not realize this. Some of you may have children. You know, mother understands this a lot. You know, a lot of mothers, they'll go through great length, like my mom, go through great length to sacrifice, to give their life away, and, and just, you know, they, 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 they don't even think about great significance of their own, but they absolutely believe that their children will do much better. Their children is so much more significant. And they will to work two, three jobs just to make sure that children is taken care of because they're racing champions, racing heroes. They go to great lengths, even to the place of, of being humiliated, some, some making the sacrifices that we otherwise would not make, but they would make it because they understand they're stewarding something much more significant than just raising another beings. My friends, let me tell you this, is that some of you are called to make, in fact, all of us are called to make disciples of nation. Some of the people that you disciple, you never know. They could be the next world changer. They could be the next Joseph Prince. They could be the next Billy Graham. They could be the next Oral Robert. They could be the next of whatever, right? They could be the next big thing. But if you're faithful in stewarding them and God may use you to fulfill his purpose and, 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 and his plan beyond your wildest imagination. There are other things that you seem insignificant that you probably feel like, oh, it's not important. You know, this task that I have is not important. But I want to encourage you not to despise it, but faithfully steward it. You know, I was sharing with a lot of volunteers, and I've, if you here been in this church for a while, you probably heard this story before. You know, there was this gentleman that he, his job was a parking warrior. His job was to be one of those guys that when you drove in, they'll open the door for you, greet you. You know, if it's raining, they'll have an umbrella to help you to walk into the church, you know. And a lot of people didn't think much about it. They're just a parking warrior. They're just parking people, you know. They're just, they're just, they're just not important. But you know, there was a story about this parking warrior that changed the life of an individual, in fact, saved her from death. So there's this woman that, that, um, that I share with, in, uh, with the volunteers. There was this woman that was going to commit suicide. And she was thinking to herself, you know, I'm just going to go to church one more time, and then, uh, and then I'm just going to go kill myself. And the day that she decided to go to church was pouring. There was rain pouring. It's just, just, just really bad, you know, the rain was pouring. And so she decided to go anyways, and she got to the church, got to the parking lot, and she looked in the building from where she parked, and she saw the building was kind of far, and she thought to herself, you know, there's no way that I'm going to get so soaking wet just to get into the church. So she decided she's just going to go home and kill herself. She said, I might as well just go home and kill myself. Maybe this is a sign that I'm supposed to go home and kill myself and God's not going to do anything for me. And so she was about to turn on the engine to leave and there was a knock on the window. And there was this parking warrior, you know. He had the umbrella in his hand, smile on his face. He said, ma'am, I've been praying for you all week long. And that God will bring you here. And God had answered my prayer. What he meant was that God will send a stranger to his church so that he could be a ministry and a blessing to her. And say, ma'am, I want, I want you to know that I'm here for you. I brought an umbrella, and I want to take you into the church so that you don't get soaking wet. Well, you know, she was so impressed. She went to the church, and then she, she, she got dried up, and then she went to the service. A testimony later was that this man in the parking lot saved my life. It meant 
life and death to me. Friends, do you realize that every single thing that God had entrusted you to do, if you're faithful to it, you only heaven and eternity will tell the type of impact that you're giving to people. I want to encourage you to not despise the small task. And if you haven't started volunteering this church and serving this church, I really want to encourage you to make every effort to start to make a difference in people's life. The talents that God had given you, the voice he'd given you, the influence he'd given you, the strength he'd given you, and don't just hit it and just bury it. Use it for the glory of God, however little it is. You say, I don't have much talent. I don't have anything. I don't have nothing to give. Give what you have. Put it on the altar and give what you have. God is going to take that, multiply it, use it for his glory. And Joseph did just that. And God used him. And he was able to steward things that are so significant that it changed the world. The third thing I want us to, to, uh, to meditate on this week, uh, this, this, this morning, is this. You know, remember I asked you to underline if it's your Bible, when God called Joseph, he said, Joseph, the son of David. You know, Joseph didn't really believe that he, he was a, a royalty. He don't, did not believe that. You know, his circumstances told him that he was not a royalty. <laughs> you know, people around him probably told him he was not a royalty. You know, people don't even know that he's the son of David. In fact, people probably thought he would be joking around if he called himself a son of David. Now, the people of Israel recognized David at the time, but they no longer recognize all the lineage in David. And David's lineage had lost the privilege of being royalty because of the many generations of sin and disobedience to the Lord. And God took away the throne. But God promises to David what's true is that he will install a king permanently on his throne. That would be Jesus. God did not forget about his promise to David. And so when God looked down, he saw the lineage of David. He saw Joseph, not how the world saw Joseph. He saw Joseph as royalty. He saw Joseph as someone that is going to steward and fulfill, help fulfill the prophecy that his own son, God himself, will become the king sitting on David's throne. So when God is looking at Joseph, he didn't look at Joseph as carpenter like the people in the world looked at him. He looked at Joseph as son of David. This morning, many of us come from a background that we're not proud of. Maybe our ancestor, our forefathers, they didn't do anything great. We came from a family that is not fantastic. We are not from family that are politically connected or have wealth or riches or whatever. Maybe we come from a home that's really humble and that we don't even want people to know about it. We want to talk about it. And so we're very humble. We don't think much about ourselves. But I want you to know, as I mentioned in the communion early on, is that if you believe in Jesus and you receive him you have royal blood flowing through your vein and when God sees you he does not see you he see you as a child of God as God saw Joseph as a son of David with full royalty in the hearts and mind of God this morning is that you are fully everybody say fully fully the child of God and if people around you or your circumstances is screaming at you and tell you you are a loser, you are nobody, I want you to remember the word of God over your life is that I am a child of God. Everybody say, I am a child of God. Say it again. I am a child of God. Do you know what that means? It means that you will qualify for incredible amount of benefits and blessings and the influence you have is unbelievable. You have been given authority to even command the elements if you have the faith to do so. 
And many of us are living as a pauper because we have been convinced by the world that we are just an ordinary citizen living on earth, try to eke out a living and try to survive the next day. But I got news for you because hidden within you, you, that's right, that's you, that God has a royalty he's raising up and that he is raising up a child of God that will become a huge influence for his kingdom. Don't let your circumstances, don't let people lie to you because if God had called you, he'll never forget it. You know, some of you actually had heard incredible prophecy over your life about your future. Long time ago when you were younger, you had such hope, such aspiration. Now you're coming into your 50s and 60s and then you're thinking to yourself, I don't think it's going to happen. Do you realize that you may forget about the promise of God. You may forget about the prophecy of God. But God has not forgotten about the call He has on your life. In spite of whatever decision and bad decision you made, His call is still real. The Word of God says that the calling of God is without what? Without repentance. He never changed His mind on you, in other words. He never changed his mind on you. The devil will tell you, you know, because of the mistakes you make, some of the stupid decisions you make, you no longer qualify. You just gonna be, you just have to contend with second best. Jesus did not have that in mind when he went to the cross, because when he went to the cross, he wanted to restore the best to you. And that's the grace of God. If you come and repent and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I want, to, I, I, I want, to, I, I want you to make it right for me. You know what? He's going to put a rope on you. He's going to put a ring on you. He's going to love you as a son like he had never loved you before. You are as precious to him as ever before. And that's why when people who, who used to come to this church, they don't stop coming, you know, because, you know, they, they, they're busy in the world, whatever. You know, they come back. I look at them as a potential of a child of God being renewed and doing and serving the Lord and doing great things for God because God's calling is sure. See, Joseph here, everybody told him, oh, you're just a carpenter. You are nobody. And he probably even believed that. And this morning, I want you to change your mind. Is, is it true, the Bible says, is it true that I'm royalty? In Revelation chapter 1 verse 6, God says, that we, he is making us his kings and priests unto him. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a king. I know, it, it feels funny. It feels funny to say that. Just go ahead, turn to your neighbor. You're a king. Me? No. Do you realize that when you're a king, you walk differently, you behave differently? Even when you're going for a job interview, I want you to remember that you are a king. So don't beg for a job. I'm teaching my daughter that actually. I said, don't ever beg for anything. You are a child of the Most High God. Don't beg. You are a child of a king. You are prince and princess. You're royalty. You should not beg. Because the one who had called you and raised you, he will open the door for you. He will cause you to have great favor in your life. So if the individual that doesn't want to hire you, it's his loss. It's truly his loss. If you're going with that strategy, you're going to come across very confident. You're going to come across very joyful. And you're going to come across being a person that really can do his or her job. As opposed to, oh, please, please, please help me, help me, give me a job. 
First Peter chapter two verse nine says that we are royal priesthood, holy people, and a peculiar people. I do not ever want. I, I pray. I can't want anything. I pray that God will convince you today when you leave this place. Don't leave at Mister So and So or Mrs. So and So or Shmo this Shmo that. You leave here as a child of God, king and priest unto. Your God. Amen? Did you learn something this morning? Come on, let's praise the Lord. Let's all stand together.